Welcome to the Questioning God podcast with John Hopper. I'm your host, Blaine Larson. This is a resource produced by Search, an organization committed to having conversations about the big questions of God and life. And this episode is all about chapter seven, why should I trust what the Bible has to say? And John, as we begin to look at that question, which is a great question, uh, where do we want to begin? Yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't take long for people to, you know, be around Christians to realize that they, they put a lot of stock in the Bible, right? So <laughs> they kind of like it a little they, bit. They do. So, so I, I think I would ask the question, you know, to a Christian, like, well, why should I trust it? Right? It's just like we're we're talking about. In fact, I. I sat down with a gentleman, you know, a couple of years ago, and and he had come to a few sort of gatherings that that I had led, and and some people were talking about the Bible, and and he said, I, I just, and he really meant this seriously, like, wh- why should I trust the Bible? Like, there's a lot of books out there, right? So, and there are, right? So, I mean, if someone came up to you and they just handed you a book on the street corner and they said, you know, read this book, your eternal destiny depends upon it. You'd probably like throw it away. <laughs> like, <laughs> why should I trust it? Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So um, it seems to me like there's three big issues here, Blaine, is um, uh, there's the issue of authenticity, which is what is what we have today really representative of what was originally written. Then there's the question of of accuracy, like, well, yeah, but even if it was, you know, recorded really well, like, was it accurate in the first place, right? Do we have good information? And then finally, like, okay, so we have this historical record of what happened back then, but why should we even give it any weight in our lives, right? So there's a lot of history books out there, and we don't change our lives because of those history books. So so let's look at each of those three. So um, those, the the authenticity, the the accuracy and the authority. Yeah, so authenticity, people might find this to be a curious place to start because yeah. it's really asking and answering the question, do we have what was originally yeah. written? And I think most people, if, if you haven't looked into this, you'd probably go, well, isn't that like, oh, well, obviously we have, mm. uh, it's the Bible, it's the most popular book. Mm. Do we have what, yeah. what was originally written? What are you talking about? Yeah. So can you help us to understand what's meant by authenticity and, sure. and this question? Well, some people might feel comfortable like, yeah, what we have today was what was originally written. But I think there's a lot of people that feel like it's it's changed over time. Sure. So, you know, one person wrote it and the next person copied it down and got changed a little bit and then got it edited and changed, sort of like the telephone game. So um, so I think it is a legitimate question, right? So if it has been changed, like it gets changed every hundred years, like why well, put a whole lot of stock in it, right? So, um, so what would be best, right, Blaine, is that we had the original documents that were written. So Unfortunately, they were written on materials that deteriorate, right? So, and even if we had the original, we wouldn't necessarily know that we had it. So it didn't come with a certificate of authenticity, right? Like you get for some sports no. memorabilia or something like that. So even if we could date, say, a part of the Bible, like we found some old writings of the Bible, and we could date it to, say, the first century, like when the New Testament was originally written, all we could say is this this copy that we found it's like it's right near the original but it it's not like it's in this there's a stamp in the corner that says this was the original <laughs> yeah. so, so we wouldn't necessarily know that we had it so well then how do people know that we do have something that represents the original well textual critics and they do this not just for the bible but for other ancient documents what gives them confidence that what we have today matches the original is they're looking for okay do we have a whole lot of copies because the more copies we have we can compare them 
to make sure changes hasn't been made? And how old are those copies relative to when it would have been originally written so there was less gap for changes to occur? And we look at the Bible relative to other historical documents, we have a wealth of information. We have way more copies than we do of other ancient documents. Well, make make sure that's that's clear too, because yeah. there there are no originals of anything from the time mm. period of the Bible or before, correct? Well, except for those things that were written on stone. Well, okay. <laughs> we do have some some stones that have inscriptions on them. But, but your classic, yeah. your Plato's, your, mm. your Homer's, the right, right, those sorts of writings. We don't have originals, yeah. right? So. Um, in fact, let's take, for example, um, so Josephus, who's a first century Roman historian, okay? And he's sort of revered as a, a, of a, as a, as a historian. We have 133 copies of, of, of Josephus's works. And the earliest copy is dated to 1,100 years after he originally wrote, okay? Well, that compares to the New Testament in this way. In the New Testament, we have over 5,800 sort of Greek manuscripts, because the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And they date within, say, 50 years of the original. So we have way more reason to believe that the New Testament is uh, um, authentic, As particularly since all those copies. It would be one thing if all those copies were saying different things and they were all over the map, but they're not. They compare well with one another. And so I think we can walk away saying, yeah, what we have today, it, it represents well what the original said. So if that's talking about authenticity, uh, so we can we feel like we can work our way through understanding what was originally written, but that doesn't mean that what was originally written is true, and that's the question of accuracy. Exactly correct? right. So so you could have a fairy tale, right? And the fairy tale has been copied really well through the centuries, yeah. but that doesn't mean that it was true, right? So so we are you got- saying Frozen is not? A- <laughs> that's right. So. So we've got to look at, you know, how do we discern whether you know, the Bible is really telling us accurate information? So, and there's a, kind of a lot of ways that we can do that. But, I, you know, I think probably what's important to most people is, is there historical corroboration? Like mm-hmm. if we look outside the Bible, when the Bible talks about particular people and particular events, do we find information outside the Bible that supports that or does it go against it? And I think what we see when we look at that external evidence is that consistently it's matching up with what we see in the Bible. And it, uh, it has to do with people. It has to do with places. It has to do with events. Let's take Jesus's sort of life and crucifixion and uh, um, even his miracles and his resurrection. Those things are spoken of outside of the Bible. So by people that that had no interest in supporting Christianity. In fact, they were trying to tear down Christianity or they hated Christians. So, so writers like Josephus or Thallus or Tacitus or Marbar Serapian, they talk about Jesus's life and the things that he did and his death. And um, so, so I think we can look at the life of Jesus as it's reported by eyewitnesses in the, in the New Testament say, well, there's a lot of historical corroboration there. So, and it's just, it's more than just outside the life of Jesus. We see it elsewhere too, like the cities in the Old Testament or the, the peoples and the nations. Like, for example, there's a, there the Hittites are talked about oftentimes in the, in the Old Testament. And for many, many years, people said, oh, it's just sort of a make believe sort of civilization. And then they started discovering and finding sort of the Hittite civilization. And 
beautiful monuments that you can even see t- today where they you know see where their kingdom was and their peoples were it's like oh that wasn't a made-up people these are actually real peoples or you know you think of the david and goliath story okay it's like well that's fanciful right that 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 couldn't have happened now we don't have a a sort of extra biblical information about sort of david and goliath having this battle but we do know that people in that time did use slingshots that in that story, David and Goliath were representatives for the armies, and they were coming to fight individually as representatives for the army. That typically took place in that day. That was sort of a common way in which battles were fought. And so, so all the elements of that story are corroborated, again, by, by history. So, so there's just lots of historical evidence that supports the veracity of what Scripture is saying. Yeah, and speak a little bit to just to the genre that mm-hmm. the Bible's written. There are many different literary right, right, right. genres, but it's, I think it's important too mm-hmm. to people to know that the the Bible's not written, uh, or at least the historical narratives. Mm-hmm. They really are written in the genre of historical narrative of that that time. It's not like the Bible's written <laughs> in right. a, a you know a crazy literary genre that we shouldn't take seriously. Exactly. Correct. Right. So if we read a book today and it starts out with "Once Upon a Time," right? yeah, like we would yeah. immediately, hey, this is not a historical narrative. It might be a nice story, but it's not a historical narrative. So when we look back at the writings, like again, the historical narratives, they are very they, they look like historical narratives. They were written. Uh, in the format and in the manner of historical narratives at that day. So so that should at least, at the very most, not have us dismiss it right away, right? So um, because they take the shape of, they were, they're, they're sort of presented as historical, right? So, um, so, so we should say, okay, so they're presented as historical. Do we have evidence for that? Yes, we do have evidence for that. Now, one other note before we move on to sort of the authority issue of Scripture is that um, if the Bible was just made up to, you know, get people to follow, you know, so let's say the disciples, you know, they, they wrote the New Testament just because they wanted a following. They wanted to become the big guys, you know, their leader had died. They weren't planning for that. So then oh, they're going to be the big guys and they'll write the story is we wouldn't expect to find a lot of embarrassing details about the disciples. And yet when we look in the gospels, they're Sometimes they're bumbling idiots, <laughs> so, yeah. and they're fighting for power, and they're you know they're not believing in Jesus, and you know they're contradicting him, and they're so it's like, like it seems like if they were trying to build a cause around themselves, that they would have made themselves look good, right? They wouldn't have made themselves look bad, sure, in, in the gospels, and so there's a lot of embarrassing sort of details like that, which um, to me give that sort of air of sort of of accuracy there, right? Like you again, you wouldn't put those in unless, well, it just really happened that way. So, so you're just writing about what happened. So if the Bible's uh, authentic, mm-hmm. if it's accurate, then it naturally leads to this last question, mm-hmm. is it authoritative? authoritative. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. is it is it really from God? Is it something that mm-hmm. should have some kind of input in my life? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, s- Scripture, it, it in itself says, hey, here's a few ways to— discern whether this is authoritative or not, like whether you should really listen to this or not. So, so one of the ways that, that Scripture does that is it says, okay, um, we're going to provide some prophecies here about things that are going to happen. They're going to be really detailed, and you see whether that happens. And if it happens, then you ought to probably take these words as being authoritative, like there's, there's something to this. There's a God involved in it. So, 
So throughout scripture, we see places where there's a prophecy made and then a prophecy fulfilled. And so one of those places in regards to Jesus. So there's different prophecies that are made about him, like sort of where he's, where he's going to be born, for example. So um, Jesus had no control over where he's going to be born. And he was born in this little town, right? So, so the odds of that are pretty small, just that he would be born in Bethlehem, right? So, um, but there are other sorts of things, like he would um, be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver, like, did he really orchestrate that? Like, okay, hell yeah, you're my friend now, but now I'm going to have you betray me and do it for 30 pieces of silver because that's what the prophecy said. So, so there's all these kinds of prophecies about Jesus that get fulfilled in his, in his life. And, and I think if you sort of work out the odds of that, you'd say, well, it's kind of far-fetched to think that this was just an accident. So, you know, if you had somebody that was, you know, making the, the perfect bets on every single game all season long, I mean, guessing the score of every game right, right to the exact score, like you'd probably put your money in on what they're betting on in the last game, right? Because you've seen this track record. And so I think the Bible does. It provides a track record through prophecy. So um, also the Bible says, hey, believe in it because of miracles. In other words, if this is a historical record and the historical record is talking about miracles, then hey, maybe there's God involved. So Jesus himself said, if you don't believe in what I say, at least believe in me because of my miracles, so, and those miracles are, again, are tested not just in the Bible, but outside the Bible as well. So it's like, well, yeah, they're talking about miracles that they, they actually happened. And, well, you know, maybe there's a God involved with this. So that's another reason to sort of give Scripture authority. Can I ask you a question about, yeah. about prophecy, though? I sure, think sure. people might find yeah. this really interesting because if mm-hmm. they remember back just to the beginning of this podcast, we're talking about manuscripts and Robert. dates and age. Yeah, yeah. And so the the prophets uh, mm-hmm. and the prophecies are typically old. Well, they're all really Old Testament, the right. ones you're talking about. About Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So give us like a, so when were those written? Okay. And then when, how do we know that that was actually written before like Jesus? Couldn't somebody have just added that later? Here we are oh, yeah. thousands of years. Right, right. Removed. Made it look like the prophecy was fulfilled. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that's a very good question. So, so these prophecies were made, you know, a good 500 years at least before Jesus came about. So many of them 700 years or even more uh, before Jesus came. We have the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay, so that were just discovered in the 1940s and 1950s. And these scrolls predate Jesus, okay? And these scrolls are in part of the Old Testament. So we know that those Old Testament prophecies were made before Jesus came around. And then comes the life of Jesus, and he fulfills all the, the prophecies. So we know that they weren't added later. So Yeah, and you—so have you been to Israel? I haven't been to Israel. Gosh, you got to go, John. <laughs> all right, so we went to Israel, mm-hmm. and there's a museum in Jerusalem, and I forget the name of it. It's very famous if you ever go there. But uh, to everybody, listen, y- you can go see some of these manuscripts— mm. That you could, they're right in front of you. Yeah. I mean, you can see, and they date to centuries. Some of them, mm-hmm. a couple centuries before mm-hmm. the time of Jesus, and right. with these prophecies yeah. on them, and they're, they're right there. You can go look at them. It's yeah. really, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So an, an incredible story. So, uh, so on on authority, then uh, what what does the Bible say about itself and about what we should think of it and what mm. we should do with it in an authoritative sense? Yeah. Well, so I mean. The, the Bible's saying that, hey, God is real, and, uh, and the Bible's saying that, well, we really fall short of God's standard, and the Bible's saying that, you know, if you want to be right with God, you need to look to Jesus, and, uh, and Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. I mean, he did these miracles. He fulfilled these prophecies. He was God himself, and so, 
scripture saying you need to believe in that. You need to look at that. So, um, and I, I'll make sort of one final note here. I, I, I said we can build a case for authority on uh, fulfilled prophecy or miracles, but there's another way, and it's actually a way that Jesus presented. And he said, he said, if you want to know my, whether my teaching is from God or not, he said, start putting it into practice, and you'll see that my words are from God. And so sometimes, right, the only way we're going to really know whether, hey, is this really from God or not, is we've got to start walking in it. And that's a little backwards for some people. Like People are like, I want to know it's true before I start walking in it. But, but really, in a lot of things in life, we have to start doing it before we even see really its value, right? So I mean, I've taught tennis to a lot of people, and they, they kind of look at me like when I say, try this or try that. And then they try it and they go, oh, now I see what you get. Like they had to walk in it first. Yeah. So, so some ways, in some way, the way we know whether it's true or not is that we, we begin to, to walk in it. Well, that's a great final point to end on, John. This has been just a great conversation. We've been talking about Chapter 7, Why Should I Trust What the Bible Has to Say? And next episode, we're going to look at Chapter 8, How Can a Rational Person Accept the Miracle Stories in the Bible? We just talked about that a second ago. So if you haven't already, go pick up Search's new book, Questioning God, Answers to Questions Worth Asking. It's available now at questioninggod.com and on Amazon. And we look forward to having you join us next time on the Questioning God podcast with John Hopper.